Welcome into the national edition of the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. We are live on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, and Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Sour of Real Kipper and Bourne brought to you by Bet365. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. In the next few minutes, we're going to welcome in the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Chris Knobloch. What a run he's been on. 16-6 and six, it's taking over. The Edmonton Oilers, they're off He's turned tonight. that McDavid into quite the player. Yeah, he's unbelievable. What a coaching. <laughs> what a job Just an average player before that. <laughs> really coming on strong now. So they're set to take on the Ottawa Senators tomorrow night. So we'll, uh, we'll get uh, Chris's thoughts on that and so much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, we just finished up uh, in our first hour with Doug McClain talking about the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. That's uh, that's a that's a tough one for the Senators tomorrow night, and a tough one last night. Yeah, they're just, in Seattle. They're in a tough spot here, man. Like they're not at the forty game mark. They might not be at the thirty five game mark, given you know they had a slow schedule to start, and they've gone through a GM, two head coaches. You know, rumors about you know could there be a third by you know is it Baruby or someone like that. It's just been a really almost, rocky start to a year that came with high expectations. Almost 50 games still to go yeah. in their season. And I, do, you, do, you, do you approach it now as if we are missing the playoffs? Well, like, and do you want to now start your assessment for next season? Or are you thinking... But forty nine games to go here. We 40, we yeah. got we got to make a, a change here to show uh, our fan base or or the rest of the league that we're not going away the rest of the season. Yeah, you know, I the St. Louis Blues team that was in last place Jan or Jan one that went on to win the Stanley Cup. Um, you know, like Ottawa had a lot of talent. You need a goaltender to get hot. You need a lot of things to break right. But they've just played so many fewer games than the other teams in their, you know, conference could a little run of success, give them hope of a playoff push right now. They're, you know, they're 15 points out of a playoff spot, but they've played six fewer games than that team there. So I don't know, Kip, uh, to me, you can't roll over on the season in game 34. It's just, they have too much talent to, to roll over. Doug McLean mentioned uh, sh- uh, the abundance of talent on the blue line. Shabbat that he would probably move a big name. Yeah. He mentioned Shabbat. I mean, I, I, I like Shabbat. I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to live up to $8 million a year. You know, when he plays and he's healthy, he plays 27 minutes. You know, he plays a ton for them. But, you know, when you have a Chikrin and you have a Sanderson, um, you know, when you have some guys back there that are pretty good defenders, it's not, you know, could he strengthen them somewhere else? I don't know. Do, do you think it's a, move, I, a movable contract right now? Yes. Oh God! If I was a Shabbat's GM, Lee, I would trade for, bucks. I would trade for GM or for for Shabbat. Yeah, yes, I, as a GM. I'd like him to play a lot better, I think, and and produce a lot more. But I just think you know how many years is left on that deal? Maybe six, five years left or something. Because uh, it was an eight-year deal initially. Yeah. I, I think it's maybe even seven. Yeah, it was eight times eight. Was it not? Yeah, and just looking at the you know, where he's at in his age, you know, he's still a young defenseman. He's still loaded with talent. 
um, in the direction the salary cap is going. I don't know that. Yeah, it's through 29. No, that's not right. Um, but anyway, I, I just don't think that this is a guy that isn't going to be good for you and couldn't look good against the salary cap at that number later in the future. So I'm Team Shabbat here, but I understand if if you feel like you have to make a change to the core, maybe that's a place you start. I don't know. You, know, you get um, Pinto coming back here. Stutzla can be better. Kachuk's very good. Norris is good. You know, Giroux, it, decisions to be made there. There is there is some talk uh, now that they're, they're going to maybe focus on changing up a little bit of the core. And I, I don't know what that means. And it's hard where they sit right now to I, actually identify who that core is. Like, go to a, a number of teams and we can rally or, uh, you know, spew off four names and go, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And I don't know where they are today. Like, you would have thought Tim Stutzla would have been as much of an untouchable as anybody in the league. I still and, think and he is. Still, he still is. is. Yeah. Still is. But he's not faring well here. Uh, none of them are. Stutzla has Norris, Batherson. A point per game this year. Kachuk, seven goals we know Kachuk's not going anywhere, but he's struggling too. Mm-hmm. So who do you move here? I, I don't think you do some sort of panic thing where you finally have good pieces and you trade them out because you need to do something different here. Like, you know, they need to add to this group and give them a chance. They're still very young. You know, the core guys you're talking about, Stutzla's 21. But they they just twenty four. Claude, Claude Giroux and Tarasenko and Kubalik. So they trade were, those guys. Yeah, which they will. Yeah, they will come towards uh, the trade deadline. Uh, no question. All right, let's welcome in head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Chris Knobloch. Uh, Chris, thanks for for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, I imagine since uh, you taking over what November twelfth with a sixteen and six, there's a lot of people in Edmonton breathing a little better these days um yeah no things have been going really well especially lately within our last six games uh for me i've been ecstatic being a part of this obviously a chance to become a head coach but head coach of the edmonton oilers um it's been uh, really exciting and i guess i want to ask specifically about it being the oilers you didn't get handed some you know roster with guys up and coming guys it was here's the best player to ever have played hockey and, you know, some fellow wonderful players, how has it been for you adjusting to using talent like that, you know, something that few coaches on earth ever get to experience? No, I, I know I'm very fortunate. Uh, Coach Connor McDavid, um, to do it once is remarkable, let alone twice. Yeah. Uh, getting him in junior, junior <laughs> hockey and, uh, and in the NHL. Um, yeah, it's a... It's an asset that most coaches don't get to have at their disposal, and now I'm getting to <laughs> try and optimize that as much as possible. And you can see how he can turn around a game um, very quickly, and you saw it the other night against uh, Philadelphia with five points and five points in only about sixteen and a half minutes. Um, you know, it's 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 a pleasure to have as a coach. Okay, I I want to go right there. In terms of uh, a star player, the best player on the planet, playing 16 and a half minutes, uh, this guy's got a Ferrari engine. I mean, 16 and a half minutes must feel like a a cup of coffee for him. Is it hard? Uh, is it strategic? 
How, how does a guy like that end up with 60, 16 and a half minutes? Well, I know that's uh, that's been a season low for um, for him this year. Certainly, since I've been here, um, just the other night when we were in LA, I think he had 24 minutes. Um, you know. It, we don't want to run him up 24 minutes every night. Um, if anyone can handle it, definitely it can be him. But, um, you know, we're getting contributions from everybody in our team. Obviously, he's our best player, best player in the league. And we're just trying to utilize him as best as possible. And, um, you know, sometimes the games, the flow and matchups, whatever's happening, you, um, you kind of have to um, just sometimes things just work out the way they do. Just to, to follow up, Chris, I mean, as a coach, big picture stuff, I know uh, the team's not in a position to think comfortably about the playoffs uh, based on, on the start, but there, is, as a head coach, is it an afterthought to think what what's going to be left of my core guys here and, and trying to balance it out over 82 games? Um, absolutely, it's something to consider, but also considering just week to week, um, you know, the next night you play, um, you know, certainly if you're playing back to back. Right now, our our schedule in January is pretty uh, pretty comfortable. Just with um, we don't have no back to backs, our travel isn't too hectic. Um, but as we get into the grind, I know with our schedule later in the season, that's something we have to consider a lot about. Um, just it's a lot more of, yes, you want to manage these guys' ice times, not wearing them out, but also having other guys feeling part of the team. And, you know, if a line's playing well, you kind of give those guys a little more ice time. And right now, the McDavid line's been maybe the best line in, in the NHL right now and um, with uh, Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman. And uh, we've been getting a lot out of those guys. You know, Chris, beyond McDavid, you do have guys you just mentioned, Nuge and Hyman and, uh, you know, Dreisaitl and Kane. You know, you have this sort of elite group of guys, and that's kind of the salary cap era. A lot of teams are built in that sort of top-heavy way. Where do you stand sort of philosophically on the idea of different rules for different players? We've been talking about accountability on our show and just trying to get a sense for your theory. Is it sort of everyone with the same playbook or do you kind of have to handle the different layers and levels of player differently within your team? Yeah, absolutely. You have to handle players differently, but you also have to treat them all fairly and um, how you balance that is very difficult as a coach. And there isn't a, just a handbook to say, this is what I'm going to do in this situation. Um, Certain players are, you know, you don't want to see turnovers at the blue line just because of, what are they going to create? Um, you know, obviously, uh, let's, we've been talking about McDavid a lot. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be turnovers, but you see the upside of the plays that he can make right. um, opposed to maybe somebody uh, who's not playing the same kind of minutes who's on the fourth line. You know, even if he does beat that defenseman at the blue line, what's he going to do with the next play? And, you know, just trying to get our players to – understand that to encourage them to play to their strengths um you know it's always uh it's never never easy it's um otherwise you know everyone can be doing this job but um you know i think as a coach you're just trying to get the best out of every player and getting them to play to their strengths we're talking to chris 
Knobloch, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, who are now on a 16-6 and run since taking over the hockey club. And when you did take over, Chris, I think it was three wins in 13 for the Edmonton Oilers to start. So where was the top priority when you took over? Was it uh, just the mental psyche here of of maybe a, a shock team or a shock city um, to, to reset mentally? Or was it technical, right away seeing something that you wanted different uh, throughout your, your lineup in terms of uh, strategy or systems? Where did it really truly begin? Um, I think there was three three areas that we wanted to address. Uh, one was the psyche. The there was obviously a lot of frustration, and anytime players frustrated, you're not going to get the most out of them. Whether it's an elite athlete, the best players, or your fourth liners, they got to feel comfortable, confident to play their best ability. Um, I think we had to take away some of the pressure off them and kind of just have them just think about playing hockey and focus on the next game opposed to the Stanley Cup or making the playoffs or where they were in the standings. I think that was the priority. Uh, another one was uh, the penalty kill, trying to shore that up and kind of finding a, a rhythm there. Um, and we, you know, um, Stewie took over the penalty kill has been doing an outstanding job with that, but also we using different players and different roles kind of to settle that down penalty kill has been pretty good um the last couple months and then um the other one was just on it's usually team defense how you know anytime there's a coach change it's usually you're giving up too many goals and whether there's many factors for that whether it's goaltending or defensive systems or just accountability um i found that a lot of the goals against were coming off the rush and we kind of discuss what we could do about that and a little bit of system but a little bit of buy-in and having players do their job and um you know i think we've we've done uh, a better job of that lately you know i think it's a unique situation when you come into a dressing room where a core of the team has been there for some years and you bring new ideas that probably haven't been there how easy or how receptive have has the team been to your ideas and what does that relationship look like when you go to the to guys who've done it a certain way and have a certain culture and say actually i'd like to change this um yeah no it's very difficult um just when you're going to introduce those new systems and um and we talked about trying to settle the players down and have them playing to their strengths and you know, if you're giving them a bunch of new ideas and new systems, then they're not going to be able to just go out and play hockey and relax. And when I first got here, there's very minimal changes that I that I implemented. Um, first of all, I wanted to find out what is their system, what is their vocabulary, what are they doing, and how can we improve it. And the first couple of weeks, we really didn't do very much. Uh, you know, we had a goal and. We wanted to settle them down and wanting them to ultimately just play hockey. Um, and after about two weeks, we had a nice little break where we had five days off. So there was a couple of days off, but we had three, I feel, quality practices. And then we started to implement a little bit of changes. But as a new coach coming in, um, there's only so much you can do because you the game comes down to just being able to execute. Yes, it has a little bit to do with systems and, you know, there's those um, 
advantages that you can have, but the biggest advantages you can have is just your players feeling confident going out there and just playing hockey. Chris, when I uh, heard that Paul Coffey was going to go behind the bench full-time, I, I told him he's nuts. Like, <laughs> are you crazy? You got the cushiest job or the cushiest life in the world right now. Why do you want to go into just that Paul en- for a living. environment? But yet uh, this guy's never uh, missed a, a challenge in his life and uh, not come out on top. How's it been working with him? And, uh, you know, what kind of effect has he had on a guy like Darnell Nurse? Yeah, oh, absolutely. That would be a challenge. Something, um, you know, come into the situation and obviously not knowing me very well. And then now we're here, we are working side by side every day. And the effect that he's had on, especially the defensemen, and I'm so happy with our group of six, how well they've been playing all, all three pairs of them. And I think his message has been very simple and very direct for the players on just hey, we want you getting involved in the play. We want you making plays. Hey, don't worry about if you do make a mistake. It's how we're going to recover from that. And he's got them skating up and down the ice, whether they're getting involved in the play or just being uh, defending. And um, it's been nice to see. And I think it's just been a nice calming voice on the back end that um, the defensemen that we have really appreciate his message. And what is, you know, just looking at that decor, I'm fascinated by the pair of Eckholm and Bouchard who are at different points in their careers and have different priorities, I would say, as players. Um, how are they meshing together? And, and you know, just t- tell us about that pair. I'm fascinated by them in general. They've been, uh, you know, they've got a lot of chemistry uh, before I got here. Yeah. And uh, we haven't changed very much. Uh, defensive pairings, uh, we played around with them maybe in my first week or two. Uh, made a little bit of changes, but ultimately we stuck with what was in in place before I got here. And uh, with the Ekholm and Bouchard pairing, um, right now as a pair, they're probably the best pair uh, analytically. Just with the scoring chances that they're giving up has been minimal, and the chances they're getting and creating has been huge. And a lot of that has to do with they're on the ice a lot with McDavid's line. So you're out there with the best line in the NHL. Right. You're also going to have good analytics too. But um, their their play is, I don't want to give all the credit to uh, McDavid and uh, Nugent Hopkins and Hyman. Um, those two on the back end have a lot, a lot to do. They've contributed a lot to their success. And probably the biggest thing is just, puck movement just being able to get the puck into the forwards hands so they can go and attack and they're not chasing pucks down and having to forecheck and having controlled entries is a huge advantage just in terms of goaltending so many question marks uh, around the league right now for for even contending teams such as yourselves i know in toronto here it's a hot button topic but uh just the way skinner's been able to handle uh the workload and uh settle things down since jack Campbell's uh, got waived and, you know, Chris, is there a thought process that maybe Jack could work himself back into the mix? Um, I I don't know. I I can just comment on the two goalies that I've seen this year and I've been very, very happy with both of them. Uh, Skins has looked like a a very good quality starting goaltender. He's had the majority of our games. Calvin Pickard has been playing really good. He's got a save percentage of about 905, a winning record. And um, there's been some games where we haven't been very good defensively, and he's come up very big. So 
yeah, Jack Campbell's um, has a future with the organization. Um, where he fits in, I, I don't know. But from just from what I experience right now and with the two goalies that we have, they're playing really well and they're going to continue to uh, get their starts. Uh, Chris, last one for me. Just, uh, you know, you, you've been there with the team for a while now. You guys are having success. It's been a whirlwind, I'm sure. Have you had a moment to have like a welcome to the NHL moment? Have you looked around and been like, okay, you know, this is in a pre, you know, I guess just taking stock of where you're at and how successful things have been. Um, I don't know. I think every time I that welcome to the NHL moment is when, um, especially when we're at home and um, the players hit the ice, and the coaches kind of walk in after that. And, you know, it's nice and quiet in the dressing room because pretty much everyone's cleared out. There's very few people left in there besides a couple coaches and maybe uh, somebody, um, equipment managers that are helping out cleaning up and stuff like that. But walking out to the tunnel and you see the ice and then it's still quiet, but then you get about... Uh, you know, about 10 or 15 feet from the uh, the bench and then the, the noise hits you and the excitement and the energy, then it's like, yes, this is the NHL. This is really exciting. And um, you're running on adrenaline for the next uh, two and a half hours. Excellent stuff, uh, Chris. We really appreciate your time. Uh, good luck against Ottawa and uh, the rest of the way. We really appreciate you coming on our show. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Chris Knobloch, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, no question, uh, first of all, he's not the flashiest guy. And I'm just thinking that that might be perfect yeah. for what they needed at that time. He's never going to be a, a soundbite guy. He's never going to come in you're not going to hear that the the sarcasm of, we've heard from other coaches it's not Paul Maurice not or, Paul Maurice yeah, not Tortorella this guy he's going to coach he, he, just like his interview it's methodical it's biz, all business and there is a level of calmness i don't think he'll ever get excited mm-hmm. and might be the perfect thing right now yeah the, the, there's you know there are a lot of coaches like that who say, you know, this is the way we're going to play. I'm going to, you know, hold the guys accountable, to use that word again today, you know, for not playing that way. Don't tell Doug. <laughs> That's right. But you're right, Kip. You know, there was a lot in Canada in particular when there's a circus around the team and questions and articles and interviews for these guys. Some, you know, not that Woodcroft was not, you know, um, you know, good about that sort of stuff either. He was good about it too, but... You're right. He doesn't make news, and they need Listen, no news. He, he could lose six in a row or win six in a row, and I, I don't think you would ever tell the difference by his demeanor. <laughs> I get your point. Yeah. yeah. Yes. No. Well, they've, they've won composed. 16 of their first 24 games that he's been the coach. And yeah. Yeah. So. Can't argue with yeah. results. Yeah. Great. All right. We on to game time? Well, they get to play the Ottawa Senators tomorrow. By the so. way, the Oilers schedule coming up, Ottawa uh, last Blackhawks last. Red Wings not great. Uh, Canadians pretty close to last. Um, they've got some winnable hockey games ahead. It will not be long before they're in a playoff spot, and it will not be long before it's where are they in the division. And the only question now is not if they get out of a wild card spot and into those top three for me, but just how high up they get. 
So what are the Canucks at? Because they're leading that division, right? Yes, the Canucks are leading the NHL, I think. Are they not? No, two points out of the NHL lead. Um, Canucks have 51. The Oilers have 39. Um, Canucks have played three more games. The Oilers, 12 points back with three games in hand. I'm not saying... I got to tell you, like, you know, we made fun of the West for not like the top end of the West. Very good. Very good. And the Oilers are staring down the barrel here. If they do get hot and they get into a playoff spot or they go up into the the third spot in the division, potential matchup with Vegas. Vegas, Oh, give me that again. Give me a repeat. Or in the first round. That's what's so stupid. That's what everyone's the best. Yeah, but that's the stupidest part about this. It is stupid. About this playoff format. And you don't need to get Leaf fans started on this, but it's like, you're going to have these divisions where you're getting Vegas in the first round with, against or potentially Colorado versus Edmonton in the first round where it's like two of the better teams are playing. I mean, one versus format. eight, right? Of course. What was wrong with one versus eight? You have enough rivalries. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> no one hits anyone anyway. There's no rivalries. Sound like Rival- drunk uncle from no, SNL. it's true, though, man. Like, Not oh, rivalries. we got to have rivalries. Like, shut <laughs> up. Just do one versus eight. It works the best. Uh Certainly didn't get the impression that Sorry. J- no, Jack, Jack Campbell's coming up anytime oh, no. soon. No, he no. did not say well, that what, was imminent. What are Jack Campbell's AHL numbers? Have we looked at that recently? Oh, don't do this. I'm going to do it. Don't do this to me. I'm going to do it right now. So, if the trajectory... Well, it's not good. <laughs> great drop in, Monte. Uh, if the trajectory continues for Skinner... Oof. You you assume that it's his to lose from here on in. Yeah, well, which, yes. which means it's not Calvin you're not, to win. You're not you're not trading for Gibson. You're not. I don't know. It's I'm asking good. you. I, I don't. I think that they can say all the right things and still not be confident are, are, this guy's going to win him a cup for Gibson. No. Need someone, I don't and know. Gibson makes. I mean, is Gibson uh, really good? I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a market for Gibson, but I'll tell you what's going to have to happen. Sorrow's in Anaheim guy. is that they're going to have to eat a lot, almost half. Yeah, to get him into a contending team. So what's Gibson at? Six million? Yeah, like that, yeah. for a long time. I so, feel like so. Oilers, Leafs. Somebody's going to be able to wiggle him in. At three million, Leafs don't no. know. Are they, <laughs> are they are they not one of, one of the teams that are considering a goalie? John Gibson has not been very good for a long time. Like he's not. I guess he's back. I, I, I think, I think there's a lot. I think there's interest in him. Yeah, he's it's just not back, at his price. Well, 904, 904, 804, 899, 904. 904. 904. 904. Uh, he's That's a good goalie. Average, right average. Yeah. Yeah, for six million bucks. We've we've chopped it in half. Oh, okay. Fifty mil, fifty uh, percent retention. Because Skinner's making more than that, right? Just saying. Uh, yeah. Not that I'm saying. I'm just saying. And then after Gibson, Jake Allen. Could you see the Oilers taking on Jake Allen and saying uh, more more for Skinner one one a? To me, Skinner is probably better or the same as Jake Allen. Yeah. Like that's a sideways move. Like. The guy is Soros for yeah, every team. But, but, but they should be trading just, Soros. It's just they not everything it's, for him. It's, we're in the new world of goaltending here. It's not about... Uh, Nobody's good? It's about what happens if that guy gets hurt. Mm-hmm. That's what we're at. And can he come in and, and fill the void? Or are we just going to give it to Pickard? Can't do that. No, you can't do that. Uh, would, too by good. the way, I looked up Jack Campbell's AHL numbers with mild disgust. 
Uh, he's played 11 games. His his record is 5-6 and uh, one shootout loss with a 3-3-2 goals against and an 8-9-3 save percentage at the uh, AHL level. Well, Yeah, just move on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what league average save percentage is in the AHL. Maybe it's 892. It's probably not 892. That's All right. That's not how they pictured it going. No. He's been God, out there for a while. Guy. I hope he finds his way back. I really hope he does too, but I also think don't like shouldn't they just give him another chance? Like I, I guess it's the salary cap thing, just too makes too much money. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess they're only burying one point one five. One point one five, yeah. So, uh, you're on is the he not hook. better than Pickard? It's it could just be a, a chemistry thing. Uh, Puck just kept right? one in the net. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It drops today. Yeah. Okay. Mean ones. Okay. Chris uh, Knobloch's pretty happy as it is. You, we just got that sense. Hey, don't don't break what ain't broken. Did well, not want to talk about Jack Campbell. No, they're playing tomato cans every night, so not too bad. Yeah, that helps. Uh, it's game time. Presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Only a few games tonight. Uh, I'm just quickly pulling up the schedule here. Um, three. Three we games. Either have, we, we have a hundred or three. A hundred or three. Yeah. That's the, that's the mix that we have. Um, Bedard and the Blackhawks on the second half of a back-to-back going into New Jersey. No value on either side of that, clearly. Um, you're not going to probably bet the Blackhawks in the second half of back-to-back, but you're not probably going to bet the uh, the. Devils at minus 400. Minus 400. Yeah, so you're going to stay away from that. But to me, a uh, sorry, a Connor Bedard goal is always a fun bet because he's literally the only thing to watch on that team. So right. plus 175 for a Connor Bedard, Bedard goal. Okay. It's going to keep going back to the well last night. I was right on half of my bet yesterday. The, the Rangers did wax him, but the Connor Bedard did not score. Ah. And I'm looking at the Ducks and Winnipeg. I watched the Ducks very closely the other night. They stink, rot. Stink, stink. They absolutely rot. Uh, I like the Jets, minus 190. And if you even want to go minus a goal in the house, it's plus okay. 135. All right, now we're Okay. Um, Jets are really good, and the Ducks are really bad. Zegris. Yes. Was a ghost in is that he, game. Yeah. Is he? Does he not rub you kind of the wrong way sometimes? Uh, the, you know, I think you're bringing this up because you guys know how I felt about the audio when he was mic'd up on the bench. And I, first off, actually got the shivers listening to it like oh he's just it, he, a... so on the bench he said a you know a couple of things where he wanted to just like singing along and yeah. whatever but the other one where he's telling the guy in the team hey do you see me in the slot there no wide open wide open and the guy was like all right just holler at me he goes yeah just take two steps out of the corner and get your head up i'm there wide open it's like okay just you know it just really rubbed me the wrong way oh, yeah you yeah. don't like zegris no, no I, I'm not. I, I'm not a fan either. And like, maybe he's an awesome guy or whatever. And they're but, trying really hard to make him one of those faces and yeah. put him on a video game. And you know, even the Michigan, which is phenomenal, he, his right? execution his, of it is his. His Michigan this year is the nastiest. So one I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think I caught in in our pregame Wednesday night. One of the, uh, maybe even it was Jen asked him about the Michigan. Yeah. And I think he kind of blew it off a little bit, right? Yeah. He didn't, which. I saw this interview. Did you? Yeah. He's I know exactly what you're talking about. Year. Okay. And he was like, it sounded like to, he didn't want to talk about that no, kind of things. So he I, wants people to take no, him seriously as a player. Exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. You could almost sense that, that 
you know, the, the, the world still wants to celebrate it and talk about it. And he didn't want to. I think he recognizes like, to get paid, you have to be a he's winning hockey player. And he's, he's not, you can't, he's, to your point, no one's taking him seriously. Give his numbers, the buddy. most he's known for right now is the Michigan. Yeah. And he's not known as a 200-foot player. And he's not seen as a leader. And he's not seen as anything but a guy who can do a trick shot. Kip, he has he makes almost six million dollars per year, and he has two goals in seventeen games. So, Michigan it up all you like. Yeah, people want to see you be more and, effective. Period. Oh, you know who wants to? His general manager, his coach. Yeah, and the, five point seven five for three more seasons. And they did not give hey. him an eight year deal, yeah. and he will not be there. He has to show them that he's a hockey player, not a trick shot art artist. And the, the league over the years has had these amazingly skilled guys. Robbie Shrimp was an unbelievable skilled guy and yeah. a talented player. Oh. Didn't have the career he maybe could have had with his talent because he kind of got pigeonholed as this trick shot guy. That's all he is to me right now. Play the right way. Mm. Yeah. Hey, who said that? Ago? <laughs> it sounded like you or I don't know. It sounded like a combination of what was that AI? Play the All right, right way. Uh, that was game time presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Okay. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll go through our news and notes. Uh, a couple things we got to talk about, including Sid Crosby. Guys, we're not talking about this guy enough. And I mean, the I, incredible season I'll talk he's about having. Well, we will after Let's the break. Also, the we want you to text us some questions, some thoughts at 590-590. It's off the rails Friday, which means we'll uh, open it up to whatever you send us uh, the rest of the way. We're back after these words. It's Real Kipper and Born. My mic was off. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's Friday. It's we're off actually, the rails. We're actually just saying we're the number one bar show on earth. All the, just Sammy's friends texting them pictures of themselves drinking at the bar at five thirty. Well, looking Friday, at it. after all. Yeah. This is a good time. This yeah. used to be prime time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is the best can time. Can you explain to me this guy who uh, was at the golf simulator? Oh my God! With pleasure. Yeah. Jer- uh, Jersey Jerry. Yeah. This was one of the more remar- remarkable pieces of content, as you will say. Streamed for, I think, 37 hours straight, including him sleeping. They streamed it. Uh, he got massages. They brought in a blow-up bed. And all in pursuit of him making a hole-in-one on a simulator because he said he would stream until he made one. He said he would stream until he made a hole-in-one. 80 yards, Pebble Beach, number seven, and he just hit. He could have been there for months. I mean, he started developing a blister. It's like game over. I had, uh, before we, we sold our house, I had a golf simulator in the basement. Oh, okay. And- I, I had that thing for seven years, eight years. Never made one once? No. This no, guy, never did. Is, well, And let me tell hole. you something. During the pandemic, I was there four or five hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. My daughter was just born. We had very different pandemic experiences. Let me tell you, this guy's crushing vino, swinging the club in the basement. <laughs> two kids in a Toronto-sized apartment. I got my handicap down to a seven. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was just, because I, I brought this up to you guys early on in it. I was like, this is hilarious, this is hilarious. And you guys are like, okay, buddy, what the hell are you watching? And then it just, like, it swept the internet. Everyone was to talking me, about it. It's not relevant until, yeah, you're into some, like, 
endurance feat, which yes. it got there. 2,670 so swings, would, I think. People would go on the internet and watch him sleep. I don't know. I didn't watch that part of it. But yeah, I'd you, you say could. I'd no if I know that my, didn't, my, my wife didn't sometimes watch random baby <laughs> eagles in a nest somewhere on the internet. So like, you that's know, just weird. Sure, it's super weird. Of course. Yeah. But they're kind of weird. That's what they do. Content, and he made, baby. He made the ace. Uh, you both have aces, right? Yeah. I don't know. Very young. I will yeah. never. You, you don't. Yeah, and I won't get one. I got two. Yes, you will. You have two? I got two. My first one, uh, Magna. Okay. Uh, Mr. Mr. Not a big deal. 172. Wow. And I'm with as it gets. Eric Lindros and Rob DeMaio. Really? Wow. And I hit a a seven and we saw it go in. And you would have thought I scored double overtime in game seven. (laughs) Well, that's the appropriate reaction. The big E stepped on my toe and broke it. No way. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we. That's Tony Finau with the ace you know, <laughs> yeah. on his ankle out right after, and then went and shot minus three for the weekend after that at the Masters. That's right. Yeah. Um, my dad has a hole in one. His one hole in one was at the Clark Gillies Golf Tournament, where he won a Hyundai Santa Fe, yeah, uh, fifty-two dozen golf balls and a speaker system or something. So he timed his very well. Yeah, that's nice. My dad. My dad picked up golf at age sixty-three, I think, and had two. Sammy, you got time, pal. Sammy, plenty of time. Yeah, it's never I, happening. I just have a plenty feeling. of time. I don't hit him close enough, boys. Um, Sid, uh, before Sid, United States takes the World Junior uh, uh, gold medal. Yeah, six two is the final. Have you seen yeah. Sam's tweet during our show about no, this? No, I did Who not. Cares? I care what your tweet. What'd well, you say? I mean, this it's Sammy, snarky. This is really setting up in the next few years: Canada versus the U.S. Olympics, baby. Well, yeah, I, like they won, correct? Obviously, they won. They have a nice very tips. good. They have a very good team full of great players. Yeah, but Canada had an underwhelming team this year. Of course, the underwhelming team was one where the two Leaf prospects were playing for it. That's very nice. Captain Mister Minton underwhelmed a little bit, but they're just kids. We won't get after it. But you know, if Canada had their eligible players who were playing in the NHL, they win in a walk. They have Bedard on the team. They'll have Fantilli on the team. Zach Benson's playing for them. Uh, that Korchinski from uh, who's playing 20 a night for the Blackhawks. Shane Wright's eligible this still. This is his tweet, which is, I'm sure Canada would have been out in the I mean, corners yeah. with Bedard, Ventilli, well, Benson, sorry. Wright, Korchinski, all eligible. You put more effort in that tweet than you have our whole show. <laughs> so know, far. America's guys just can't crack the yeah. NHL. That's America's the issue. guys just aren't on NHL teams. <laughs> They're dominating for Boston I College. And pretty good point. It's true. It's like we, we have these down years at the World Juniors, and it's, it's, genera- it's just the way it works. But a lot of our young guys are really good because they go to the best league and they don't get to play in this. Are busy winning NHL games. Yeah. Yeah. So, listen, congratulations to uh, USA for winning. Yeah, it was the US team, yes. They're good for them. That was very sincere. Congratulations, (laughs) America. You did it. (laughs) (laughs) I, I will say, though, it is, it's awesome that they're really good. It is and, fun. you know, it's nice to have a threat. It's nice to have a threat to have the best hockey nation. Fisticuffs at the end of the game. I'm thrilled. Too. I think they should have a best. I think the real thing should just be a best. They don't need to do this stupid four-team tournament. Just, just do Canada, a best US, of seven. Let's go. Best of seven, U.S. versus Canada. Tomorrow. It would be the greatest hockey thing ever. There'd be no, that's, that's the Everyone true test. Everyone making money. You could sell Sweden, Sweden's quite good. on that. Sweden's quite good as well. Yeah. I understand that, but It'd I think a three-team tournament. They can come yeah, in. Sure. 
Seven game series, baby. Yeah, I don't Canada think that'll ever happen. And by the way, everyone talks about goaltending. Aiden Hill leading this leading the league Aiden in goals Hill. against and save percentage. I picked him for the Vesna on TV last night. Love so it. so far, Vesna. And he uh yeah, pride of uh, Vancouver Island. I didn't know Devin Levi was a Canadian. It's nice nice yeah, to have we, more of them. We got, we got some. We got guys. We'll be fine. Okay. Uh last night. Speaking of guys who are Canadian. Looked like Pitt very much in control. Boston comes back. But Sid finds a way to get them over the top. Uh I said before the break, like Sid's having another amazing year over the course of his career. I think he's uh, cracked 50 goals just once and probably in his third or fourth year in the, in the league. Mm-hmm. Here he is turning 37 this summer, and he's on pace for, I think, 50 goals this year. Yeah. Like, but 2009, 2010, the only time he cracked 50. Okay. In, inside the top 20 in scoring yeah, is age that? 36. That's LeBron, what he's 13, doing right 14 now, years numbers. ago. Yep. So, like, why aren't we talking about this guy more? You know what's interesting is, like, even a year or two ago, Crosby was better than people realized. Like, all the analytics, all that. He was as valuable to his team as some of the other guys. He has been... He really hasn't tailed off much, which, obviously, physically, you have to at his age. So, it's incredible that his... Hockey brain allows him to continue this insanity. And this isn't a great team. No, that's for sure. That Pittsburgh right? team. That's for sure. So what are they doing right now? Like he bad. is well, absolutely bad. carrying them. Yeah, he pretty bad. He, he's forty-one points in thirty-seven so is games. It just because year? maybe for us here in this country that that Austin and. And Connor just suck all the oxygen out of us, and there's really not much room to well, talk about Sid anymore. It's almost like there's not much to say because he's so consistently good. It's like, yeah, he's been. Hey, pl- look, he's still doing the thing he's been doing for as long as most of us have been watching last twenty years. More than a point per game in all nineteen seasons, yeah. in his career. And so, yeah, you're right. There comes a point where you're like, it's. When it maintains that level of consistency, it's worth noting because he should be tailing off and it's just not happening. Incredible season by him. I do think the the Penguins are figuring out a little bit. 7-2-1 in their last 10. A point out of the wild card spot now. Like, Sid scoring 50 goals this year and then missing the playoffs is really going to suck for him. That's and, when they'll and trade to the Montreal Canadiens who he liked as a kid. He's retiring a penguin, I'm convinced. Think so? Someone, someone actually sent a text. Uh, I'm going through our million texts, but I know what it said, so I forget. I can't give him credit. But where would be the most fun Sid end of career destination? You know what, though? And uh, my vote would be Toronto. Would be my vote. <laughs> just, just, just a vote. Yeah, I don't, you know, just I don't one know, vote here. No, uh, no, no reason. I do think, yeah, Edmonton with Connor McDavid no, would be a little bit of fun. But I, I think that guys. Going home to their favorite teams is nice, but then you see Giroux go to Ottawa when the team isn't ready for him. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not ready to compete, and it's almost a little disheartening. So Montreal maybe doesn't no, quite work. it has work. to be on a, a team where we can watch him play in May and June. Right. So, yeah. Colorado with Nate. That's a nice one. I mean, Yeah, but it's not as fun. Just Toronto for you? I think... Canucks? Canada, Canada would be awesome yeah. to have him play in Canada. If, if Montreal... Was better 
For yeah, sure. Yeah. That would be fun. That would be an absolute nightmare. Truly, as an Easterner, did he grow up a Montreal fan? He was, yeah. Yeah, he loved the Habs. This is my nightmare. Yes, correct. <laughs> Sammy, you'd love that, right? Him in a Montreal uniform? There was to be nothing that would make me more sick than him. <laughs> <laughs> you have said he's your guy, right? I, it's he's like, my he's my like favorite. Throw up? Yes. Sick. It's him and Matt Sundin, my two favorite hockey players of all time. I love Sidney Crosby. Would you want yes. Sid to win a cup with Montreal? No, no chance. He's got three. Fine. He's got two gold medals, multiple gold medals. Yeah. He's got his, like, he's fine. But if it's going to be somewhere else where he wins a cup, Colorado's okay. Yeah. But, you know, the Leafs would be ideal. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah anyways, I see it. Yeah. All right, you got any uh, text for us? I'm I've been just, pumping it up like crazy. I'm just trying to pour through all the, uh, the text we got here. Um, so I'm getting a couple uh, texts about my take on Canada's guys. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, guys, love the show. I hate to call out Sammy because I love the guy. You shouldn't hate that. But I think the U.S. team would have been better, too, with Luke Hughes and Logan, Logan Cooley. Ugh, I hate when people make good points. With two guys, you, may, you named seven Canadians, I think. Yeah, Bedard, would definitely, be, Bedard would definitely be the, the guy yeah. that would take it over the top. But yeah, Luke Hughes and and uh, and where are we on uh, Arizona? Who cares? No, I do. I, I got a question. Well, they're if we, better if we care than enough expected. to talk about uh, Cooley, then we're they're, they're better than expected yeah. for sure. I have a question here. I have a thought on that after. What do you think Drysaitel will get for his new contract? I love this conversation. Put your names on the text. So I, I think the Coyotes should be buyers. To your point. Before I would, lo- I think you know yeah. that would be fascinating to see them try to get aggressive. Yeah, Drysital. I think this guy is really interesting guy. I really like Leon Drysital. Like he's one of my favorite guys to listen to. I think his like pissiness is hilarious. Um, I mean, what do you think Spec gets? I mean, I, I'm curious <laughs> to see if Leon wants to dig in or if he's a guy who just doesn't want the stress and just if he wants to dig in, mm. he could probably make a case for fifteen million dollars. Per season. More than Matthews? I mean, he, he's won a Hart Trophy as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, his point totals have been higher than Matthews pretty yeah. much all the way along. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, Matthews... 15 million? You're nuts. 15 million? I think the contracts are going to go I up. I don't think my buddy here is that far the off. The salary what? cap is going to yeah. the moon Listen, over I'd the next five years. I'd love driving the price up of Edmonton Oilers players, so sure, 15 okay. million, I mean, but that's great. Great, great but it just, observation. If he wanted to do... <laughs> Edmonton... Yeah. cannot afford to have him leave. You can't trade Leon Dreisaitl. you got to pay well, him what he wants. It's just not trading Leon. It's... Now what do you what do with you, Connor? What, do you, what message are you sending to 97 if you're moving oh, yeah. this guy? McJesus. You're sending uh, a message that... Anyways, but, uh, we'll save that one for a different day about McDavid. Like, you are at the point, Sammy... Yes. Where you're thinking about both Drysidle and McDavid together, so it's not what you're going to give Drysidle. It's what are you going to pay these guys together? Mm. And I think it's a minimum of thirty, thirty-two million between the two. How do you want to break it up, boys? You want to go right down the middle? Or Connor, do you want to make a million more than him? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. are are you going to make three million more than Leon? Should, yeah, probably. But will someone be out there willing to pay Leon 
almost as much as Edmonton's going to pay Connor. Connor's just going to take, take less and sign for eight years and just be there. Yeah, and just I'm not be so no, sure no about that. What is, less, what is but less? Like, he'll just take under market value for eight years and just play there his whole career, and we'll never talk about it. Like, we have to talk about everything in Toronto. He'll be like, yep, I'll sign on the dotted line. Good Canadian boy. Boop, boop, boop. Okay, here, and all the guys here are like, let's let's make it. Here's, the, let's, here, here, 17's, or sorry, 32's wild, though, because now you're talking 17, 15. Here's but, another question. What's my team look like then? Mm-hmm. I've, I've spent half my career in the prime years not coming close to a Stanley Are Cup. Are Am I signing another eight years to be that guy who is a Mid. Hall of Famer but never got a sniff so I can listen to everybody go, hey, good player, but what did he ever win? And you know, that Drysaddle is a year stars, later than Matthews. Just yeah. ask Charles Barkley. That's all he deals with. Right. right. What did you win? Yeah. He won millions and millions of dollars. Um, <laughs> and they can yeah. too. This is from Kevin. Boys, we need two seven game series Canada, USA, and Sweden versus Finland. Keep more players' fans involved. That would be electric. But then anything to play in the final after? Yeah. Three gamer in the final. Okay. Okay, guys. It's the weekend. Oh, my God. Is it? Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. (laughs) Our thanks to head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Chris Knobloch, and off the rails Friday specialist, Doug McClain. I can't think of two more different people. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Well said. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you get a chance, give us a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. As always, we appreciate you. Have a great weekend.